Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning. Welcome. Or good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whichever it is to you guys. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Solar Panel. I am here with Zona Hoops, my my co-star, my co-host. How you doing this morning, man? Doing great. Ready to talk some Suns Kings. This That's right. Early, uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, for us it's early Tuesday morning because I got to get it in before my regular workday starts. Uh, Brendan, uh, Brendan Nunez, is it Nunes or Nunez? I'm sorry. Nunez, you got it right. You got it right, Nunez. I thought that. Uh, Brendan Nunez with uh, the Kings Herald. And uh, he is here to help us preview the Sacramento Kings versus Phoenix Suns game on Wednesday night. How are you doing this morning, man? I am doing good. I appreciate the invite, guys. Sure. Uh, you are listening to the Solar Panel. Solar Panel podcast is always free, always fresh, and presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. We do live interactive shows every Saturday on YouTube, plus extra episodes like this one during the week with local and national media folks. And this one will be up on our YouTube channel. It will also be on our podcast feed later on. Make sure you, wherever you are watching this, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. If you give us a five-star review, I'll give you a special shout-out on the show. So, Brendan, thank you for joining us. Brendan also hosts the King's Pulse podcast on the Blue Wire Network. So let's get going. What we're here for today is we are going to preview the Suns versus the Kings on Wednesday night. The Kings have been off to uh, you know, an up-and-down start. The Suns have been off to an up-and-down start. So I just uh, wanted to get down, uh, get have some questions for, gosh, I completely lost my train of thought there. I wanted to go through some questions on the uh, Kings uh, for Suns fans to hear how have the Kings started the season. So, Brendan, first of all, get us set us straight. Last time we saw the Kings uh, was last season. What has changed personnel-wise on the team between last season and this season for the Kings? The big difference in personnel is um, probably, I mean, Davion Mitchell is the highlight. He's been talked about a lot, even nationally, which is something a little bit different for the Kings. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the defensive intensity that he brings and I think that's just a focus for the team overall this year after posting the second worst defensive rating of all time last season. Um, so that's a focus. But personnel-wise, the big difference is is adding Davion and then I think a little bit more center depth. Having Tristan Thompson and Alex Len on the roster compared to last year having to work with the likes of Hassan Whiteside, Chemezi Metu, Marvin Bagley playing the backup five. Um, so yeah, when it comes to the roster, I think those are the primary differences. Yeah. Can we talk about off night? Like that's the greatest nickname of all time. Yeah. Uh, I, I just found out that, or he, they went on the uh, JJ Reddick podcast and apparently he got that nickname after a game against Tyrese Halliburton in college, which is just oh, wow. hilariously ironic, but yeah, great nickname. That's awesome. Yeah. Him and uh, Jared Butler. I watched a lot of Baylor last year. That was a fun team. So big Davion guy. <laughs> so Davion is a six, one Six one or so guard, uh, really good on ball guy. We we had our own here in Phoenix and in, in Javon Carter, but I believe as far as an on ball defender, uh, a bulldog out of the perimeter. But I believe Davion's got a lot more offensive juice than than Javon ever had. What have you seen from him offensively? Yeah, you know the most recent game against um, 
against Golden State was kind of our first taste of him really being impactful on the offensive end of the floor. At first, he was quiet in the first two showings uh, for Sacramento. But yeah, he had stretches of really controlling the game in a way that I didn't expect, um, at least too much this season, especially not in his third NBA game. And he ends up dropping 22 points on 9-16 from the field, four assists as well. Like, um, Yeah, like I said, initiating the offense, kind of controlling the game for stretches when I've been skeptical and uh, critical of Walton's minutes without Fox or Halliburton on the floor. Uh, that game against Golden State kind of gave me a little bit more optimism when Davian is the one in charge of the offense. And uh, yeah, seeing that in his third NBA game when obviously the on-ball defense uh, is highlighted and talked about all the time for for good reason it is really promising. So yeah, I mean, the versatility in the way that he did that in that game was, was really impressive. Um, off the dribble threes, off the catch as well, some floaters thrown in there, running the pick and roll with pocket passes and lobs there. So, yeah, impressive offensive versatility. And we really saw it in that Golden State game. The two games before that, he was pretty quiet. I mean, you could borderline say non-existent on offense. But, um, yeah, third NBA game to drop 22-4 and four on some pretty efficient numbers is, is really promising. Yeah, and I love your guys' guard rotation. Uh, big fan of Fox and Halliburton as well. So, I think it's going to be interesting just to see how Walton balances, like who closes out games and if how many like three guard lineups they run consistently. So what's your feel on like that whole situation? Yeah, they don't really have too much other options. Uh, there's not very yeah. many wings on the roster. It's Harrison Barnes and then Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless yeah. Um, yeah. And Barnes has been playing out of his mind this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're going to have to go to these three guard lineups. You know, I think at some point like Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell is going to be the closing lineup if it's not if it shouldn't already be I think it could end up being a starting lineup for this team uh, pretty quickly in my mind um, but yeah I mean I think that's kind of what you have to go with I don't know exactly who guards the three in that lineup like it's probably Mitchell um, but it's something you just have to figure out and I think the interesting aspect is like Halliburton it, it's known that he's a really poor on-ball defender he's really good off ball makes a lot of plays there um, lots of steals, deflections, and that sort of thing in like a free safety-esque role. But he's really been getting abused on ball this year, and that's something I'm going to really watch for in this Phoenix game. Um, they, they hide him, and I'm curious who in your guys' mind is the guy to hide Halliburton on. If, like, if you're trying to hide a player, who on Phoenix roster starting lineup is the guy that you put him on? My guess is it'll be Mikel Bridges because that's what a lot of teams have done. But the thing with Bridges is he's so effective cutting off ball. And, and Halliburton's a good team defender, so I don't think that's a huge issue with him. So I think Mikel's probably the guy, but uh, it's going to be tough because he can hit his pull-up jump, like mid-range jumper now. So that'll be a fun uh, matchup to watch within the matchup. Yeah, that will be interesting because um, Mikel Bridges is not very physical. So if you're talking about needing uh, Halliburton to be against a guy who won't abuse him offensively, that's probably Mikhail Bridges on a physicality standpoint. Uh, what Bridges is really good at is waiting for his defender while he's standing in a corner to look away and watch the ball a little bit and watch where the ball's coming. And all of a sudden, Bridges is gone. And he's, you know, diving to the hoop. So he's he's waiting to to take advantage of a guy's lack of attention but with him standing in the corner. He has been switching a little bit roles wise with Devin Booker a bit so far earlier in this season so that we can see Mikel coming up 
um, along the wing and then getting the dribble handoff and then trying to drive in and get a mid range. So uh, Halliburton would have to fight through a screen or two sometimes more so than than last year. Uh, the other guy you could you could really hide him on is Jay Crowder. Uh, Jay Crowder will just stand in the corner. He doesn't drive unless he has to. And when he has to, he might be physical, but he, he can't control his own shot when he is trying to be physical. So that might be something, too. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Halliburton, let's talk about him a little bit. Obvious. I don't know how obvious it is to you guys, but uh, when the Suns uh, took Jalen Smith ahead of Tyrese Halliburton in the draft a year ago, and uh, Smith obviously has not done a whole lot in the NBA at this point. He's got NBA skills, but... When you're playing for a really high seed playoff team, you're not going to get a chance to mess up out on the court. So he hasn't played much. And then Phoenix folks have pined for Halliburton as as being the ideal third guard with a Devin Booker and Chris Paul. What are the pluses and minuses you've seen after a full year of Halliburton? And what ceiling do you realistically think he's got? Um, the ceiling is really hard to pinpoint, and I think that's something that I'm keeping a close tab on this year, and this will be the year where I feel a little bit more comfortable in labeling what I feel like the ceiling is. Um, at very least, it's elite role player, um, and I think we saw that last year, you know, a connecting piece of just moving the ball really quickly, having his moments of being able to initiate the offense, but you don't want him as the primary guy out there necessarily. Um, but he he has shown stretches of being able to do that. There were two games that stand out to me last year um, where he just took over. But it, it almost seems like a little bit of a mindset thing with Halliburton um, where he he's looking to get his teammates involved more often than himself, which is kind of a double-edged sword. It's a, it's a great aspect of Halliburton, and I think part of what makes him such a good player, like I said, a, a good connector and being so willing with a great basketball IQ – um, but then at the same time, it's like there's moments when you look at the lineup out there and it's like, OK, Halliburton needs to be the guy right now. And you don't exactly always see him do that. So I think that's where the ceiling is a little bit hard to pinpoint because he's shown abilities to do that. But it's just not happening on all too consistent of a basis. And when it's that sort of mindset thing, it's it's kind of something that I would think is pretty hard to alter. But He's locked himself in as an elite three-point shooter. Um, you saw a ridiculous above 40% mark last year that there's no reason to think that's that's unsustainable. Um, yeah, like I said, ridiculous basketball IQ that shows on both ends. Uh, we talked for a second there the off-ball defensive impact that he has. And yeah, he's a ridiculous passer with a great feel for the game. Um, a, a really good floater. I think you know a pick and roll between him and Rashawn Holmes is is two elite pick and roll players on both aspects there. So yeah, I mean a, a great IQ and I think the ceiling just revolves around how much Halliburton is willing to go out there and, and be the guy on a given night. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with that. I think at the very least you're getting like an elite role player that just makes constant winning plays um, for him to take that next step. It just comes down to aggression for sure. So, you know, like the pull up shooting and stuff like that. And obviously his, his shot takes a little bit of time, um, off the pull-up, but I think if he can get more consistent with that and just attacking the rim, then uh, he definitely has – it helps the ceiling for sure. Does that description kind of fit Mikhail Bridges? It does. But I was actually – when you were talking about that, I was actually thinking about that uh, very similar in that sense. 
Yeah. yeah, the thing with Mikel, he's he's super good on ball as well as off ball defender, but his basketball IQ, not wanting to be a type A personality, not wanting to take over the scoring on the team, even when he is potentially the most talented scorer in a lineup. Luckily for him, he hasn't been in too many lineups where he is the most talented guy uh, scoring wise. So I just, uh, you know, he's he's on a better, he's lucky enough to be on a better team. His first year as a rookie, uh, which would be, somewhat similar to Halliburton's first year this past year Bridges was one of the better scorers on the or was needed for for scoring more so in that first year but since then he's really been allowed to be third fourth fifth option scoring wise this year we've seen Bridges take a little bit more of a a jump in scoring he's averaging 17 points a game uh and uh I don't know how sustainable that is because that's at the expense of, like I said, switching out with Devin Booker sometimes in offensive sets just to give the Suns a different look, a different threat. If Booker's being uh, completely face-guarded one game, they can use Booker in, in, in screens and, and uh, free up other guys. That's that's kind of a plan for how to counteract Booker being over-defended or extra-defended. Um, but So I don't know how sustainable the 17 points a game is. It might be 13 to 15 again this year. Um, Going on to our next question for you on the Kings. So uh, De'Aaron Fox, obviously the, I think obviously the uh, team revolves around De'Aaron Fox's, uh, his his incredible skills in the open court, as well as, as just being able to get to the rim. What have you seen De'Aaron Fox uh, improve in, 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 in any areas this year over last year? Do you feel like he's uh, stagnating or, or what do you, what do you see from him? Yeah, I think in the preseason there were flashes of an improved handle, but it's actually been pretty sloppy in these three regular season games. He's been really underwhelming. Um, you know, the even the Portland game, I mean, the stat line looks looks really solid, like a typical, I guess, high level Fox game, a uh, twenty seven and eight, and with five boards as well there. Um, but even in that one, it, it, it he didn't feel you, you didn't feel him in the way that I think you want to. And then the two games against Utah and Golden State, he really underperformed like I think if Fox was his usual self in those two games the Kings have a good chance of being 3-0 right now um, and obviously it's frustrating when the guy underperforming is the star and yeah obviously I agree with what you said of the guy that the team revolves around um, I think there is some frustration with the refs being a little bit more hesitant this season um, you know we've seen like Harden complaining and it's funny, obviously, Harden being the guy complaining when it's probably who the rule was written for. <laughs> it um, was. It should yeah. be called the Harden rule. Yeah, definitely. Um, Fox only had one free throw attempt in that game against Golden State. There wasn't a single game last year where he had less than two. Um, so I think, you know, there's a little bit of times where maybe he could get a whistle more. Um, but I think every star player could say that on a given night. So I think there's a little bit of frustration built up there with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve of dealing with other initiators alongside him. He didn't play a crazy amount of minutes with Halliburton last year. Um, I think about half this time on the floor was with Halliburton. So I think there'll be a little bit of an adjustment there. And Davion's a guy that likes to have the ball in his hands as well. So Fox is certainly a guy that can function well off the ball uh, for stretches with with good cutting. And when he does get it, take advantage of it pretty quickly. Um, but he's been undeniably like underwhelming to start this season settling a little bit too much for jumpers, but I'm not all, not all too concerned. Like it, he'll, he'll come around. Yeah. And I think I disagree with you guys. Uh, Fox is not the star of the team. It's, it's Harrison Barnes. who's <laughs> he's shooting was like 55% from three on pretty high volume right now. So 
Uh, he's been really impressive to me. I, th- I thought last year his season kind of flew under the radar. Like nationally, he was like one of the most underrated players. So uh, what are your thoughts on Barnes' hot start and, uh, you know, just him, his game in general? Yeah, Barnes is playing out of his mind. Um, and there's a clear emphasis this year on upping his willingness to get shots up. Um, already in the three games this year, two of them, he's had more field goal and three-point attempts than any game he did last year. Walton has come out and said that he wants Barnes shooting eight threes a game this year, um, which would be a notable jump from his averages in years past. Um, He he clearly is willing to throw it up and yeah, very efficient. You talked about last year, I think was um, his best year of his career and yeah, just more willingness to get shots up this year has kind of been the main difference. He had a career high in the opener against Portland with 36 points. He had six for six from three in the third quarter of that game. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been on fire and there's also just a willingness to get more shots up that we haven't seen from Barnes before. And it's not like a forced way that we kind of saw back from his years in Dallas. It's just when he catches it and has a little bit of space, he's very quick to throw it up. Um, and he's been efficient. Like he'll, he'll calm down a little bit with some of these are probably more than a little bit. The numbers are a little bit ridiculous right now. Um, the efficiencies will calm down, but there is a notable difference in the amount of shots he's getting up this year, which has a lot to do with it. He's always been one of those unique players. And and I found it interesting because obviously throughout his career, Golden State and then Dallas and now the Kings, he's one of those guys who can be a power forward, even though he's um, in the old school days listed more of a small forward, but he's really more today in today's game, more of a power forward yet. He can shoot. He can get his own shot. He can do just about anything he wants on the court but he's never been a star star. So what are you suggesting here that Luke Walton is, is kind of wanting him to be the second or third scorer or, or even the top scorer on the, I don't know about top scorer, but second or third scorer on the team this year. Um, Maybe. I mean, I think I probably need to see it a little bit more until I'm at that level. But I think that with his ability, like, like you kind of said, he's able to do everything. I, I've said like he just does everything at an above average level pretty much, just slightly above average. He doesn't do anything great, um, but he does everything well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he could be that guy. Like I'm, I'm hesitant to feel confident in saying that, but, I mean, yeah, there's no reason that he can't be the second, third guy on this team. I always felt like his absolute best role was with the Warriors all those years ago because he was fourth best guy. You know, he was their fourth starter, fifth starter, kind of like Mikel Bridges is lately for the Suns. You know, not quite the best, but one of the, one of the most dangerous ones out there because he can get get you any night. Uh, I'm I'm curious on a young team like the Kings uh, shooting for a playoff position. Is this one of those things where you've got a veteran taking a larger role to help stabilize the team and and get more wins? in the win column? How, how do fans feel about that versus cultivating the young players? Yeah, I think that the whole, um, yeah, just like developing guys for the sake of of developing them in their future is out the window for the Kings this year. Like, they're, Bagley's not in the rotation, I think is a prime example of that. Um, outside of when there was an injury to Harkless against Utah, uh, Bagley's not getting minutes. We saw the whole statement from his agent, obviously not being all too happy about that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just, definitely all about winning games this year. I think that was pretty much the case last year until the last two games of the year when they were still in the hunt for the play-in. And I think the mm-hmm. existence of the play-in definitely ups that. But no, yeah, there's it's definitely all about winning games this year. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I know every fan base has like a certain 
trade target that they like. And like, obviously the Kings are pretty shallow on like wing depth right now. And I picked them as like the, the 10 seed this year to make the play in game. I feel a lot more confident if they had any wing, like literally anyone. So is there anyone that's on your guys' mind as like a potential trade target? I mean, it's kind of the boring typical answer, but can I just say Ben Simmons? Like I think, (laughs) I think the Kings are a really good fit for Simmons. They're a team that lacks wings. Like you're saying, um, really struggles defensively. They have some good off-ball guys. Davion's probably the only plus defender on ball or, or really positive defender on ball. Obviously, Simmons is excels there and his versatility. They have other creators around him. Um, I, I really like the Simmons fit in Sacramento. Can we just have a moment of silence for the trade that should have happened that didn't with the Lakers? I mean... Come on, that would have been just nice. Give you guys one more wing with Kyle Kuzma, get the the specter, the the narrative, the drama of Buddy healed off the team. Um, I forget who else was in the package, Montrezaro. but I think that Montrezaro. That would have just helped balance the team a little bit more. Did did you guys feel the same way, or is that just me on the outside? No, totally. Um, yeah, on on the last episode, we were just talking about how I would gladly do that deal okay if that would have happened so yeah like you're saying it was gonna happen until until i i'm guessing this is totally speculation but i'm guessing lebron said okay but yeah but let's take let's take russell instead you know instead of this smart basketball decision there was a there was an athletic reporting that once westbrook saw that that deal was pretty much on the table or about to go through when he realized the lakers were giving up their only possible way of acquiring him. He went to Washington's ownership and was like, yeah, get me out of here. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That would have just helped balance the team. I mean, I've never been a big Kuzma fan, but he's helpful in, in that he is a wing that can play some defense and can score. It's kind of like a, maybe a little bit more loose cannon Harrison Barnes version, but he still would have been, he would have been very helpful for you guys. So you're thinking the team is going to go more small than big. Cause you do have big guys as well, but really Rishon Holmes and, and um, uh, uh, Tristan Thompson and Alex Leonard, more just pure centers. Can they, are they ever going to spend some time together on the court? Do you think? I mean, maybe we see some Thompson at the four. I kind of thought that was an issue when they did that with Boston last year. Um, Thompson had a pretty rough year, and and he hasn't had a great start to the season, but I think he's a big upgrade compared to a pretty low bar from what last year's Kings backup center uh, position was looking like. So we haven't seen any of it in preseason or anything like that. I hope we don't see it, to be honest. Um, but maybe there's a chance Thompson plays some four, uh, but we've not been given any reason to think that's going to happen so far. Yeah. Speaking of the four, uh, Marvin Bagley, can you just kind of walk us through that situation and give us a feel for that? Yeah. I mean, I just don't think Marvin's been a plus on except like rare quarters throughout his now three years in the league. Um, and for a team that is looking for, like desperately looking for a playoff appearance after 15 years now of not being in the postseason for the Kings. Um, they just don't have the ability to just be gifting minutes to guys for the sake of like a hypothetical potential because Bagley has not shown much improvement throughout his time in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to he's a negative when he's out there. He's a horrible defender. Um, he's not 
improved in like the nuances of the game. Like I don't think there's been any sort of mindset shift of where, okay, I'm not the guy, so I'm just going to kind of fill my role and do the little things. You don't see any of that with Bagley. Like there's no physicality in any sort of way. Um, yeah, I, he hurts the team usually when he's out there and, and the Kings don't have – aren't in a position to be giving guys minutes for the sake of development, especially when he's not, like, out there saying he's committed to Sacramento or anything like that. Like, he's also not talking bad about it or anything, but there's been little things of, you know, a like tweet about get me out of here, his dad saying trade him, and then in media he doesn't back that up, but he also doesn't shut it down when it's talked, so – I think it's just a combination of things, but mainly he hasn't been positive during the time he's out there and he hasn't shown much growth, which might be due to injuries, but the Kings are trying to win as many games as possible this year and Backley's not going to help with that. Yeah, and his problem is he makes $11 million this year. And yeah. so <clears throat> to just pawn him off in a trade, I know some Suns fans have said, hey, why not swap Bagley for Jalen Smith and let's see what happens in new environment for each guy. Well, it doesn't work that way because Jalen Smith only makes $4.5 million. Um, so you'd have to throw in somebody else, like maybe the dead weight of Dario Sharch's contract this year because he's uh, injured. But I don't know that Bagley, I, I don't like what I'm hearing from you as a prospective Bagley recipient. If the Suns did want to make that kind of trade, if he's not willing to just do all the little things and come off, the, you know, do, do, just, you know, die for balls and scrap and not worry about his role on the team. That does not fit with the Suns. The, the Suns, you got to do whatever it takes. DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick in the draft uh, that year, basically <clears throat> spent all last year, what's turned out to be his detriment a little bit, but but turned all last year, he did everything the Suns wanted him to do and not anything that a number one pick should be wanting to do as far as being one of the top scorers on the team. He gave up all that stuff to throw 100 picks a game and uh, just rebound and, and clean up messes and all that all, all season long. And he was great at it. Uh, and so I've, what's what I've always liked about Aiden is he's willing to do whatever, it, whatever you want him to do. Uh, and and uh, he's always embraced the stuff that people don't want to do. And it, it just sounds like, from what you said, Marvin Bagley is not that interested in that kind of sacrifice. Like defense first. Like Monty's always said, defense gets you on the court. And then uh, when you're out there, then you have an opportunity to to get your numbers and score and all that. Um, so if you're not willing to sacrifice first on defense and and throwing screens and all that stuff, and 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 uh, set all your stats aside, then that would be a problem here in Phoenix. Yeah, and I think it's a problem in most places. Like, OKC, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not, Houston. I'm not <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I I know you're not. Like, I just mean that's the issue. You're right with, with Bagley right here. Like, the only places he's going to get the opportunity to just go out there and try to like still reach this star potential is like OKC Houston. So. Yeah. That's the thing is, man, uh, you know, he's got right. I don't know, but if he's going to make a difference, it's going to have to be in a team like Houston or OKC, like you said, that, that isn't just, isn't going to win. Or heck, even the Pelicans, if Zion's out an indefinite amount of time. Is that, I mean, obviously it got around the internet, so you guys saw this, I'm pretty sure. But isn't it hilarious that David Griffin, who was given all this credit as a GM, has now become almost a caricature of himself by saying, yeah, we're uh, Zion's going to be ready for the regular season. And then the regular season comes, he's like, 
I meant sometime during the regular season as if that was really what he meant. No, that's not what he really meant. Um, it, it's a problem when, when a, when a big guy like Zion Williams has a foot injury, you don't, just don't know when it's going to heal. Heck, even uh, Kevin Durant missed a whole year with a foot injury uh, early in his career. So I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, the Pelicans are a, are a destination for him. But again, you've got salary matching issues. Yeah, and I feel like it has to be a bad team that takes him on to just take, take that swing, give him the minutes he needs, and see if there's anything there. Um, I feel like he's best suited to play the five, but like I don't even know if he could do that. So it's just kind of like, you know, the position That's problem it. is like kind of like Jalen Smith's issue. Sorry to yeah. interrupt you, uh, Zona, but it's Jalen Smith's issue. His best position is playing the five because he can't defend on the perimeter like he needs to. And in space and all that, even if he wants to, he just doesn't have the hips for it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that would be Bagley's issue, too. And, and the Suns already have DeAndre Ayton in that middle that there, there's there's no reason to give minutes away from that. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have have any of you guys talked about the uh, potential? If you talk Houston for Marvin Bagley, uh, guess who else makes roughly the same money and is a much much better player and just no longer suddenly no longer fits the timeline in Houston because he's two or three years older? Um, uh, Christian Wood, what do you think of him? Mm. I know there's a lot of people that do really like Christian Wood, um, and obviously he's ridiculous on offense and adds a level of versatility there that I think would be uh, refreshing for the Kings. I mean, Holmes is Holmes is phenomenal in that aspect too, but uh, the way that Wood stretches the floor and he just does more than, than Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, and I am admittedly the outlier when it comes to um, the Kings Herald guys don't love it because I think the team's issue is defense. Like they have, scoring on the roster um and and wood just isn't great in that aspect like to me center is the most important defensive position a lot of the king's issues is the fact that they can't contain on the perimeter um but i think there's guys that can clean up some of that um so i just would be hesitant because i I want a guy that is a positive on the defensive end and a, a difference maker there but at the same time you can't really like turn down that level of talent when you're talking christian wood so I wouldn't be mad. It's just like I don't love the fit there because, um, yeah, the team was horrific on defense last year, and the center kind of cleaning up after that is kind of my ideal fit there. But at the same time, uh, you can't turn down that sort of level of talent. So it wouldn't surprise me if if that was on the Kings' radar. Yeah, totally agree with the, the defense being the priority. Like I think any move they make should be focused on that first because – Obviously, that was their, their biggest downfall last season. And, and this year, you look a little bit better, but still definitely a high on their priority list. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes <clears throat> Rishon Holmes and Alex Len were Phoenix Sun centers back in the day. Uh, they each had their their turn. In fact, Rashawn Holmes was Aiton's backup when Aiton was a rookie. And there were a lot of fans clamoring for Holmes to have gotten more more of a chance with the Suns. I love him as a player. I love his effort and his his just willingness to do everything on the court that he can. Uh, he is limited defensively uh, as far as he, he can get some good blocks, but he's really not a great defender down there. Alex Len was always disappointingly not great as a defender, but you know, these guys grow and they get better after they leave. Those, those For both those guys, that was early in their careers. What have you seen from Rishon Holmes and, and Alex Len there? 
Yeah, Holmes is a really good switching defender. Um, I think the issue is that like the rest of Sacramento's roster is not very good at switching. Um, and they did that a lot last year, and it was probably a little too often, a lot of lazy switches, which you're seeing less of this season. Um, but yeah, no, Holmes is a really good switching defender. Um, he, he does get some blocks. He's really foul prone. There were back-to-back games this year, Utah, and then the most recent one against Golden State. He's gotten in some notable foul trouble in that game against Utah. He played less than 20 minutes um, and ended up fouling out of that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's the issue with Holmes is maybe a little too physical, um, but that's not something that you're ever going to tell him to calm down. Like the energy that Holmes brings is part of what makes him such a great uh, center. Like I, I think he's a top 15 center in the league. He's ridiculously efficient. Um, in that first Portland game, he started, you know, you look at the box score and don't even realize, and all of a sudden he has 15 and eight and hasn't missed a shot on eight attempts. Um, he just kind of, you know, fits really well on the offensive end. And you could, there's definitely times you're left wanting a little bit more on defense, but he certainly isn't isn't the one killing you out there. I think it's the fact that, like I said, the perimeter containment's bad, and he's just not somebody that's going to be cleaning up after guys. And then for Alex Lynn, I, I think he is that guy, but as long as he's already waiting in the paint for you, um, which isn't always going to be able to be the case um, if he gets pulled out on the perimeter by a CP3 booker um even bridges or crowder like he's probably screwed um so i think it's just a little bit more tricky scheming with him but when he is at the rim he's a really good rim protector um he he's a lot quicker than i think his size would lead people to believe um so yeah he does seem to be the third center in the rotation Uh, against utah he was favored over tristan thompson but that's kind of like an outlier opposing big uh, size matchup when you're talking Rudy Gobert and then the backup is Hassan Whiteside. There's just ginormous players, so it kind of makes sense to go Lynn there. So it seems like it'll be situational, but, but for the most part, Tristan Thompson seems to be the second big, and I would guess that is the case. Um, I'd be shocked if it wasn't against Phoenix, a team that moves quicker, you know, backup big being JaVale McGee. Like Alex Lynn's just not a guy that's going to keep up with him there. So, um, yeah, I think Lynn showed a lot of promise as a rim protector during his last stint in Sacramento that was refreshing for a team that had pretty much none of it at the time. He was pretty solid in his limited role in Washington last year. Um, So yeah, good rim protector that kind of just does the little things right, but is a little bit tricky to optimize those skills with him. So uh, Luke Walton feels like he's been on the hot seat for a while now. Um, What do you think kind of like tips that over the edge and, you know, what kind of season is it going to take for the Kings to finally part ways with him? Do you think? Hmm. um yeah i think if there's another one the kings had two stretches last year two nine game losing streaks um inconsistency was like the only consistent thing about the team last year um so i think another one of those stretches could do it um but yeah i mean i was surprised and i think most everyone was for monty mcnair to be willing to attach himself to walton this season um there was an idea last year that you know maybe it was out of McNair's hands but going into this year the decision to keep him is definitely a decision that uh was made by McNair himself um so yeah I was I was a little surprised by that there is a idea of you know the Kings just need some continuity um the, the players like him which I've never cared too much about to be honest like I think it's an issue if the players don't like you but just because they like you doesn't mean all too much like Curry right. like Mark Jackson Giannis, like Jason Kidd, obviously moving on from those guys was the better thing for those organizations. 
Um, but the two major weaknesses last year were defense and rebounding, and there's been a lot of progress in those. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to take, I think, more than than people think for Walton to be let go of um, because McNair was willing to attach. And if the idea is continuity, then moving on in the middle of the season, you're kind of like throwing – maybe you're not throwing this year away, but I think there's a chance that's kind of what that means. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Kings would have to majorly – disappoint go on one of those eight nine game losing streaks or start the season pretty slow um yeah i i think it would take a little bit more than than some people think though yeah and booker liked earl watson so that whole like players liking the coach thing just it doesn't matter um right i, I agree with that exactly. uh, same with gms like the Suns. mcdonough would always consult Suns players for their picks if that wasn't a red flag i don't know what was um but yeah yeah. Um, hey, so let's talk about the guy we haven't talked much about yet, except in uh, in reference to a, a potential trade that didn't happen. Buddy healed. So Buddy had an historic shooting season a few years ago, made, I don't know, uh, some kind of record on threes, looked really, really great as a future, uh, as part of the future for the for the Sacramento Kings. I believe that was even right after their their best season uh, with this with this crew uh, wasn't that the thirty nine forty three season? Then yeah, Buddy it was got a that year. big extension, um, twenty some million dollars a year. Now he is coming off the bench for the Kings in three games. Um, tell me about his role. Where do you see him? His his best fit in that lineup with those other guards and and how it's going? Yeah, I think the issue is that there really is no best fit. Um, like. The Jaeger year went really well because they were running ridiculously. Um, I think Fox and Buddy are a really good offensive complement uh, to one another. Um, obviously, the spacing combined with an elite driver and finisher uh, makes a lot of sense on the offensive end. Buddy's just not a very good defender. Um, like, I, I think you could say one of the worst defenders in the league. Um, on ball, he's okay. Um, but when he's asked to do anything more than defend in isolation, it's almost like James Harden-esque. Um, you're probably not going to get a good outcome. He is kind of typically the reason that a set of rotations on the defensive end isn't going great. And he's been better this year. It's never an effort issue. Like Buddy is a track star that is running his butt off every single possession. Um, but it's just, I think, a lack of understanding on where he needs to be, which could be improving a little bit here. Um, but yeah, I think the whole issue is that like he just doesn't, fit on this roster and to his credit he hasn't complained about coming off the bench like he did in years prior I think that was a concern um, when he gets asked about it he's not exactly saying that he's happy to do it like you know he said the whole like oh, I'll be a star in my role thing but he does prefer to be a starter in the league um, but yeah I mean it's not like he's sitting there complaining like he has in years before um, it's just a weird fit for buddy on this roster um, he's a very quick trigger right now which is somewhat understandable i mean he's one of the best shooters in the league but yeah i think figuring out his best fit on this roster is difficult borderline impossible and it's like they like we're talking about like the team needs more wings he's asked to play the three a lot um yeah they they have plenty of initiators on this roster they kind of need more complementary guys um that can fill a role on the defensive end as well and, and buddy's not that guy so um, yeah, he's, he's going to have his moments of catching fire and, and taking over portions of a game like Buddy always does. But, yeah, I mean, he's getting up, you know, 10, 15 
threes a game. Uh, it, it's just it's just a really weird fit with all the guards on this roster, and Buddy kind of seems like the odd man out. All right, quick break here. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? You've been gambling, and now you just want to get more and more money. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets of your own. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. They win on on your $5 bet. They win. You get $200 in free bets. And you can play for huge cash prizes all season long with daily fantasy sports contests on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's T-B-P-N. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets. They win, you win. With promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Arizona's fine. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Uber situation. Obviously, they're way different players, but... Phoenix was in a, t- a tough spot with him because you want him to be that six man, like that, like energy guy off the bench. But in Ubre's mind, like he wants to be a starter and he wanted to get paid. So, uh, you know, you don't want to waste a ton of money on like an unhappy six man, basically. So, um, yeah, the Kings getting off that contract, I think will will probably help with team chemistry and, and uh, you know, just hopefully getting a, another wing back as well. Kind of like with the Luke Walton thing, though. If it hasn't happened yet, is it going to happen? That's the that's the question. I think we've been talking two straight years about who who would be the next, or at least people outside of the Sacramento area. I don't know about you guys, but who will be the next coach and who will replace Buddy? And it just hasn't happened. Um, you know, the Suns, look, Suns fans, ever since, okay. Remember that game of zones? I don't know if you guys remember the game of zones, but uh, when uh, the Bleacher Report series of uh, the animated stuff that was a crossover with Game of Thrones, uh, there was a great episode, Suns Kings, where the Sun Kings, uh, they, they combined forces. And there's still so many guys from that era still on each of these teams. And uh, unfortunately, you know, right now, look, we're all crossing fingers. Nobody in Phoenix is feeling like they're better than folks in Sacramento at this point. We're just crossing. We're just lucky that things have come together. Uh, In fact, there could be a report coming out on ESPN soon about how things are going to start falling apart again. Uh, But right now we're crossing our fingers that, that things are going well. The Kings had a good year where things went pretty well for them. And he came really close to the playoffs. Um, It's, it's, it's just, the the organizations are are not the best in the world how do you feel about the future of you know with vivek and, and still being in, in where he is and luke and you've got money mcnair as a new gm are you guys feeling better about your future than you have or are you still feeling like uh you're just wondering what's going to happen i mean it, i think it's improved but improved from a really low starting point so i guess take that for what you will um fox is going to be a ridiculous NBA player, you know, a future star in this league, like could have been an all-star last year, 25 and seven um, is some crazy numbers. He's still got a little bit of room for growth. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is, has 
you know, maybe potential all-star, like we said, at very least elite role player, Davion Mitchell. Um, I was very, very skeptical of that pick at the time. And, but we've been saying forever, you know, take less best player available, regardless of fit. And it seems like McNair thought that was the guy. So credit to him for being able to do that. And it looks pretty good early on, um, even though the fit is questionable. And I think there will be some questions down the line of, which of those three guards stick a, stick around because I don't know if that's the most sustainable thing long-term. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of promise there. You have great pieces in Harrison Barn and Rashawn Holmes as complementary guys that, if you decided to, would also be solid um, trade pieces. You know, I, I think they're one big move away. Like, a lot of people point at Phoenix, um, yeah. which I get is an outlier situation in the way that everything came together. But they had like a lot of their complementary pieces in place. And then it was just about acquiring that um, one star. And I think that there's better complementary guys um, that Phoenix had at the time than Sacramento does, but they still have that baseline. And, you know, it just, it's going to take one big move. And, and we know what these Houston guys, it, that's kind of like what they are sitting on, you know, Rosas um, before everything went down. That's kind of the way that he went about building the team was through trades. We're seeing that move with McNair. We've seen it with Maury before, um, so I think it's just going to be all about waiting for one big move. And um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the Bagley thing is that you mentioned his salary. You combine him with either Harrison Barnes or Buddy Heald and you can get max money there. Um, and, and that's how you make something like a Simmons trade work. Or if some other, you know, Brandon Ingram or some other sort of big name becomes disgruntled. Um, interesting. Then there's a lot of, uh, yeah, I mean, Sacramento picks, I would like to think are going to be viewed as pretty valuable since the team usually sucks um so yeah i mean you combine well and frankly if you're if you're the pelicans and you're thinking about wow what if i trade brandon ingram uh over to the kings and you talked about the the value of the draft picks i think ingram has shown that he's not going to suddenly carry you to the top seed in the conference and so those picks should stay valuable if you're the pelicans doing a trade right yeah and i'm all aboard simmons so that's that's where i'm at i think it's just about they're one big move from being like a seven seed. That'd be ideal, man. Ben Simmons, seriously, that that would just be that'd just be so good. It would give him a smaller spotlight to work in too, because he right. he appears to to work better with lower expectations. Uh, and uh, that it's just gotten way outsized there in Philadelphia. That's he's created some of that issue, some of that drama. A lot of that drama, um, but the the Sixers themselves have not helped themselves. That's got to resolve itself soon. I just can't believe it's, it hasn't resolved itself yet. But if you're Daryl Morey, you're sitting there going, "Well, what's going to help me win more games right now?" And I mean, they do need shooting with Buddy Heald. They do need. Uh, they don't necessarily need Marvin Bagley, uh, but they they do need the shooting that Buddy Heald could bring. So it's it's potentially a good fit for them to do something like that. But let's just say the Kings don't make a trade this year. Make, let's say, let's say the roster stays exactly the same. Uh, what it, what do you see as like a top end? What has to go well and what do they need to do to make the playoffs? Yeah. Um, I mean, Harrison Barnes and Mo Harkless have to stay healthy and it's already, I mean, a bad start to this of um, saying Mo Harkless has to stay healthy. Um, but <laughs> I think with their lack of wing depth, like that is essential to this team. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Fox has to continue to play 
at the level that he did last year, which I think he totally will. Um, seeing a jump from Halliburton would be would be ideal um, and figuring out the best way to work with these three guards that you're not horrific on the defensive end, which I think they've shown a lot of potential to do that. They played three really good offenses in these game in their first three matchups in Portland, Utah, and Golden State. Um, so, you know, the numbers don't look great. I think they're sitting at like 23rd in defensive rating, which doesn't sound awesome. But when you're talking compared to 30th last year, and like I mentioned, they played three really high caliber offenses. I, I think there is a lot of growth there. Um, and I still think the ceiling is the nine seed. You know, I, I think they're going to, it's going to be the same thing as last year. Like, I think the team is, is improved. Um, but I don't know if they're improved in the way that they're winning a lot more games because I think there's a lot of teams in their caliber and sort of tier in the West that are in, in the same boat of, you know, I think New Orleans and San Antonio are the two that probably took a little bit of a step back. But then when you're talking Memphis, Sacramento and Minnesota being the teams competing for that um, 10, that 10 spot. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's typically one team that falls in, in whatever I'm locking in is that top nine that you don't expect to, so maybe that happens, but um, yeah, I mean, all three of those teams listed are, I think could say the same thing as the Kings where they've improved, but I just don't know how much it is that they're winning a notably more uh, games this season. So I think it's probably going to be the same sort of thing fighting for that 10 spot. Yeah, I could see that. And I think the Kings, like for me as like a league pass watcher, they're always like just a fun late night team to watch. And I'm sure for Kings fans, it's not as fun when they're involved in these crazy games that are just going back and forth and just ridiculous stuff is happening. But uh, yeah, they've always been a fun team to watch. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels between the Suns and Kings. I, I think even before uh, like the whole Chris Paul era and all that, like we can both relate to a lot of things, our, our hatred for the Lakers, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, if they can take that next leap and in, in what Davion can do and maybe make a run at, you know, making an, an all rookie team or something like that. If, if he gets enough playing time. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's focus, let's turn our focus to this particular game on Wednesday night. So we, we've kind of talked about the entire Kings roster to this point. We haven't touched much on Mo Harkless, but uh, do you see Mo Harkless having any kind of major impact in, in the, in the game early in this season, things like that? No, I mean, I think like Harkless plays his role just fine, but I think he has a bigger role than he should for this point in his career on kind of the caliber of player he is but no i mean like he plays his role just fine but it's not like you feel him when he's out there necessarily yeah so okay so we covered the we covered the roster now let's talk about wednesday night uh the kings and the suns are both one and two on the season uh the the kings have had a good game and a couple of uh they they beat portland on opening night right and then they've lost their next two uh the suns uh beat the lakers on friday night in a in a very satisfying game uh but lost the the games around that what do you see from the kings that they're going to be going for on wednesday do you see them really focused it's let's just talk about focus first if you see them really focused on beating the suns as a oh hey there's a playoff team we should be able to beat or do you see them just really focused on themselves and 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 uh just trying to get their things right yeah i think it's the latter um they've they've done a really good job of like being locked in and engaged this year um but they have stretches of looking poor like these their fourth quarter execution has been a really big issue in these last two games um, they almost blew an 18-point lead in that game that they did win against Portland. So I think it's just going to be about like keeping 
consistency throughout the entire, you know, 48 minutes, even if you want to say 44 or whatever, because everybody's going to have a little stretch, um, but a little stretch against Devin Booker, Chris Paul is all it's going to kind of take for those guys to get into a rhythm. And um, Phoenix being a team that moves the ball really well is going to be a really big test of their um, improved defensive rotations that, you know, still are well below league average, but improved from a low starting point last year. Um, I, I think it's actually a pretty bad matchup for the Kings. Like we're talking about where we're going to hide Halliburton. Um, there's not a great option. Like we, I guess we mentioned Crowder makes some sense. Uh, Bridges could be an issue, but then you're having Harrison Barnes on one of Booker or Chris Paul. And uh, I, I don't know that that goes amazingly. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that if you're if you're looking to hunt Halliburton, you still can do that. And in my mind, this is a team that's well, that's able to do that if they want to. And also moving the ball around really well, like I said, is going to test these uh, still subpar rotations. Like I think this is actually one of the pretty poor matchups for the Kings in the league. Yeah, the Suns are great at hunting matchups. They like to um, just stylistically their offense just allows that to happen naturally, too, which a lot of teams can't say the same thing. So when you factor that in with the ball movement, um, defensively, it's going to be tough for the Kings, but I do think the Suns have shown this season they're very streaky, even last year at times. So it's going to be a game of runs, and just, like no team should feel very comfortable with a, a double-digit lead uh, at any point with how some of these games have gone early on and just the early season chaos. But, but yeah, I agree. I think uh, this this will be a good game for the Suns uh, to get their confidence back offensively, but uh, defensively they're going to have to, to guard the three a lot better than they've done especially that Portland game. Uh, that was very rough. I was going to oh, say, it looks wow. like the defense has been a little down this year. Am I, am I really right? down? That? Like yeah. really yeah. down. I mean, so Portland they're was they're, sorry, everything. They, I, know, I was going to say Portland is hitting everything they took, but um, they also weren't defending the three very well that game. There's a lot of open looks and just breakdowns. I mean, second of a back to back, blah, blah, blah. But it was, it was rough. The uh, uh, one of our writers, John Voida, he just posted an article this morning uh, and the research he did was, and just using nbastats.com, but um, one of the research he looked at, the Suns have given up uh, 20 more threes, made threes than they've take, than they've made themselves this year. That's almost seven a game. And 83% of the three-point attempts that the Suns' opponents have taken have been either open or wide open, which means four-plus feet between them and the next defender so the sun's rotations have been awful this is a year after they were one of the best at defending the three-point line and have almost the same exact rotation so really it's about focus what the suns are going through right now is a little bit of a letdown <clears throat> fans have been talking about it. we've all been talking about it how gosh i can't believe the next season's already started the suns were just in the finals two months ago and this is after a 10-year um, hiatus from the playoffs where you don't know what playoffs even look like and so I think there's a little bit of a letdown on <clears throat> regular season games over over playoff games, and uh, the Suns have lost their edge a little bit. We've we've spent the last two years hearing Devin Booker say after every game how locked in he is, how locked in the team is, and and the Suns had the best record in the league from the beginning of the bubble to the to the end of the finals. They had the best record of any team over that stretch uh, in the NBA. And I think you've got a natural letdown happening. So one of the things that the Suns have been struggling with is a lack of focus. And the lack of focus will show up mostly 
in uh, your ability to rotate on defense. And so the Suns have have been atrocious on that end. So we'll see what it looks like now. They looked really good for three quarters against the Lakers, but the Lakers make everybody look good right now. Uh, they're just they're they're beating themselves up. They're they're running into each other. It's just it's just terrible in, in Lakerland. And so the Suns really can't even feel great about that win. So the Suns are really going to have to straighten things out. On on the plus side for the Suns, they have all the personnel to do it. They've got the same coaches. They've got the same team. They're gonna do it. It's just a matter of when. Uh, I do have a, a little bit of a concern for uh, matchup issues with as as bulldog as Davian Mitchell has been and how many minutes he's going to get uh, in in this early season at the very least. He can disrupt Chris Paul. Chris Paul is not in top shape right now. Chris Paul is is, is not really he's, – he's putting up the numbers and all that, but he's not having – the Suns starting lineup has been terrible this year. And so I wonder – if after a little bit, uh, Davion Mitchell comes in and disrupts Chris Paul on on ball, what do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I think um, what you said makes a lot of sense to me. There, I think Davion bothering CP3 and potentially Booker as well um, totally is, is something that uh, I, I could see happening. And then, yeah, maybe trying to pick him apart a little bit on on the other end. Obviously, Chris Paul's um, good there, but we just saw a really promising offensive game from Davion. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. And the defense that you guys pointed out or the lack of defense from the Suns to start this year, I think is the avenue to the Kings somehow winning this game. If it just becomes an offensive battle that that's pretty high scoring, you know, Fox is getting a lot of crap right now for some poor performances. So um, it's just a matter of time and, until he has kind of one of these breakout games um, that that could be in this one against uh, Phoenix. And yeah, I think that um, Davion will have a big role. We've also seen like Halliburton get a little bit limited in some fourth quarters because of his defensive struggles in favor of Davion um, for a little while in that Golden State game. It was in favor of Buddy, which was just weird, but uh, we'll we'll leave that there, I guess. Um, Yeah, I think Davion's going to be important in this one with the perimeter creation that Phoenix has. Yeah, totally agree. And I think Davion... uh, can take a page out of like Patrick Beverly's book and what he did to the Suns in the playoffs, just disrupting them and getting them uncomfortable. I think Davion's already a better defender than Pat Bev. Uh, Beverly's more of just like an optics guy, just, you know, theatrics and all that, like chaos, but yes. Mm. Uh, So yeah, that'll be, I think something the Suns need a game plan for. Um, But yeah, also want to shout out Willie Green got his first win last night as a Pelicans coach. He did. Son's assistant. So shout out Willie. That poor guy, man. He's he's he he's gonna do well, I think. As a, co- I mean, I hope. I, but he's he's got a great mind for coaching, and he gets put into a Pelican situation that's just really disrupted, and it's 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 he's gonna have a tough time there. And now Zion's out for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah, as long as he's out, it's gonna be rough over there. Well, it was rough even when Zion was playing last year. It's just, it's just a True. rough organization. The team fit is not great. Brandon Ingram doesn't is not a perfect fit with Zion uh, uh, on offense in there. So it's it's just a tough all, all around situation for Willie in in New Orleans. Yep. I want to ask you guys uh, real quick before we wrap up of this this Aiton situation a little bit. Um, you know, I, I thought the Suns were going to be. I, I didn't factor in probably enough what you pointed out of, you know, it's only been two months since they were just playing in the finals. Um, but to me, it's like a team with a ridiculous amount of continuity on their roster mm-hmm. um, and a good bit of depth that I, I thought they would go into the year and um, 
just go through this regular season pretty well, be a top team in the West pretty comfortably. And then there's kind of this, is it fair to say like a cloud over the season with the whole Aiton situation? And obviously this complication with, with ownership as well. But like, do you think that this Aiton thing is going to have a notable impact in like on court performance this season? I think it'll definitely be a storyline at the very least. That's just kind of brought up over and over again, which is one of the main reasons I was disappointed a deal didn't get done um, <laughs> because that's going to be looming over them the whole, the whole year, uh, no matter what anyone says. I think DeAndre's performance, I don't think it's going to take a hit. I think if anything, he'll be more motivated to, to prove that he deserves a max. Um, but there will be, you know, a question mark of, is he going to keep playing the the role that he's been playing? Because he just, sacrificed a lot offensively and uh, did everything he was asked to do defensively and, and didn't get rewarded for it. So does this make him step out of, you know, the kind of box they put him in and try some more stuff offensively, which could simultaneously disrupt their normal offense. So that's the only thing I could see like being an issue, but uh, yeah, as long as they can get their, you know, get their stuff together and start winning some games, I think that'll cure everything, but it's definitely something to, to look at. Yeah, the, uh, we're not quite sure yet. The answer to your question is: is we know what the storylines are. We're asking them ourselves. We're we're saying: is is Aiton really checked out? He really, he has not looked really engaged so far this year. But he goes through stretches his entire career where he doesn't look engaged, and then he suddenly has um, five or six straight games where he's doing double doubles, big time double doubles, uh, and, and looks awesome. And then in the playoffs, he had 22 straight games where he was locked in every second of every play, every game. And the only times, I mean, he defeated one MVP pretty handily in, in Nikola Jokic in the second round and then uh, kind of lost his lunch to the second MVP, Giannis, in, in, the, in the finals when Giannis was playing better than he's ever played in his entire career. And uh, they were putting Aiton on, the, on an island against Giannis because the Suns had nobody else to defend him. So Aiton was trying to stay on the court the entire time without getting into foul trouble against a Giannis who spins into you constantly. And so that was a tough series for Aiden. Um, but then he didn't get the extension. Like we were, like we're talking about, he didn't get the big max contract. He's only the fourth number one pick in 20 years, not to get a max extension. The second you can give a max extension to the number one overall pick, even Andrew Wiggins got it. You know, it's just something you do. You just do it. And, you guys think uh, he's worth it? I look, I do because a rookie max is not a veteran max. A rookie max, he'd still be only the third highest paid player on the team, and he's he is the third best player on the team behind Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, when the cap spikes in a few years, his even even his most expensive years are going to be a smaller percentage of the cap than people uh, are thinking right now. I think he's worth the max because of. He, there's nobody who can do what he can do. He can play like you talked about Rishon Holmes being really good um, switching on the perimeter. But if, if uh, you know, guys get blown by uh, he's not really great at recovering. Aiden can do all the defensive things you want a big man to do. He's got the feet. He's got the hips. He can do everything on the perimeter. He can do everything in the paint. He can, he is a really, really good defensive player and he's taken the ownership of being the anchor of the defense and then he did all the little things, setting all the picks, doing all the waiting his turn, not demanding the ball, just taking what he gets, you know, the garbage on the offense, on the on the offensive end. He's yes, by he's for sure earned it. But traditionally, max contracts are given to higher scores. That's why Andrew Wiggins got the max 
without a question necessarily from, and then, uh, <clears throat> I mean, a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, D'Angelo Russell got a max, you know, I mean, he was a number one overall pick, but he did it because of scoring and Aiden uh, subjugated his scoring last year for the Suns, And now they're, you know, maybe consciously or subconsciously holding it against him. So anyway, he comes in no contract. And as, as Zona says, he, uh, he has to fight with himself. Do I still do all the little things for the team that didn't pay me? Or do I just make it about me this year? So we're curious to see what happens. He is just barely 23 years old. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how the, how the season plays out. My, I, I think what's more likely happening right now is that the majority of their funk is just, hey, man, we're just, they're just hungover. You know, there, there's a little bit of hangover right now. It's just Sunday morning after after the big party Saturday night. I really think that's what it is. Um, Aiden's stuff will percolate all season long, and it's going to be about that locker room and whether he's still listening to Monty Williams and Chris Paul and Devin Booker or whether he tunes them out. We'll see. And that could ultimately derail the season, which is what I was so frustrated about of not giving him the contract. There's no reason not to give him a max. Unless you're one of those people that says you only give a max to the greatest players in the game. Well, that's a veteran max. That's not a rookie max. Those are two totally different things. Yeah. And do I think he's worth the max like the player he is right now? No, but that's not what you do. Rookie extensions are all about projecting forward. And uh, I think his defense definitely is like up to par of what you want a center to do in the playoffs. He does all like he, he can switch on, on an island. He can, you know, handle himself down low. He knows how to, you know, just alter shots, even if he's not putting up crazy like shot blocking numbers, he's just always in the right place at the right time. So I think looking at it from like a playoff point of view, he's exactly what you want in the center in a game where it's kind of moving away from that in a way. But I feel like that overcorrections kind of sorting com- coming back down to earth, um, especially with how many like great bigs there are in the game today. So I think, uh, do I think he's a max player right now? No, but I think, you know, three years from now, he's like that contract could definitely. Uh, especially the cap spiking, it could uh, be a fair value. And that's why another reason I was so happy that they signed Mikel when they did. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's going to look really good, like in, you know, 2024, 25, once that spike happens and uh, could be reminiscent of that, that Clay Thompson extension with the Warriors where it just down the road, it, like it just looked like a complete steal. Yeah. I think a, a big avenue to the Kings improving is they have a way that they can make max cap space this off season uh, with not, all too much struggle. Um, and, and that's while keeping these Barnes and Buddy deals. Like they could, this is my my dream, is that all of a sudden you have Fox, um, Halliburton, Davion, you trade for Ben Simmons, and then, you know, I mean, it's it's probably not happening, but you're able to get DeAndre in for a max contract this offseason, you know. Um, but we'll see. I know that there are a lot of Kings Herald dudes very, will, very willing to throw a max at Aiton. I think just about every team in the league would throw a max at eight. And uh, I really do. There just won't be as many with cap space, but as you say, and what has been said by others as well is, is that a lot of teams can create the cap space they need, even if they're not projecting to have it yet because of the, the way uh, people are able to maneuver under the cap. And I do think definitely he gets the max contract uh, next season from somebody, if the Suns just, just don't pre-agree to it next summer before, you know, before it all starts. Um, it, it, it is frustrating. The, the thing about Aiden is while the center position is being devalued over time, and that's kind of what's being held against him, 
the big man position, the one big who's almost seven foot or seven foot in your lineup, uh, you know, there's eight or 10 Hall of Famers right now in the league that uh, they are the one big and they're just half of them are being classified as power forward and half of them are being classified as center. Aiden is one of the few guys in the league who can successfully defend on an island. When I say on an island without needing double, triple teams, um, all of them. And that makes you invaluable, you know, to be able to do that because otherwise you got a Joel Embiid there. Teams have to scheme triple, double, triple teams, running doubles. When do you run a double? When do you not? Totally screws up your defense with Aiden. You can just leave him there. And then, and you can do the same thing against Giannis. You can do the same thing against Jokic. You can do the same thing again, you know, and so on and so forth. Anthony Davis. So uh, even though the center position itself is being devalued, the one big on the floor around your smaller, uh, faster wings and guards is not devalued, and and that's where he fits best. So okay, so for Wednesday night's game, uh, uh, Brendan, you said you feel like it's a uh, tough matchup for the Kings. Uh, so would you would you predict a win or a loss for the Kings on Wednesday? Um, probably a loss, but I don't know with the guy, with the way you guys were talking about the defense, like I feel better than I did going into it because that's the Kings Avenue to winning it. And I think that, uh, yeah, it, it would just take a really big Fox game, but I think with all the ridicule he's gotten, I mean, he definitely has it in him. It's not like their performances that he's put up or because of, you know, some notable, um, aspect that, that he's taken a step down in or anything like that. It's just kind of a little bit of off games um so yeah i mean i, I think i feel better than I, I did at the beginning of this but i would still predict a loss for the kings if you're making me guess all right uh zona what do you think is going to happen wednesday uh, i think the suns will pull it out it'll be a nice i think the the blazers game is a nice wake-up call just uh you know coming off the second of a back-to-back and uh but yeah if they don't play defense the kings will will bust their ass so they need to be ready um i, I don't think they could take them lightly so I'm going to go with the Suns in a close one, but it wouldn't shock me if, uh, you know, if they don't show up again defensively, if the Kings just torch them. Yeah, I think the most likely, the most obvious, the most likely scenario is the Suns are going to win the game. Uh, the things that could happen is what we've talked about, is the Suns decide they're still in their funk, can't get out of their funk, and the Kings are just suddenly over-focused. I mean, the Blazers blew out the Suns on Saturday, blew them out, and then lost by 30 to the Clippers two days later after having lost to the Kings on opening night. And, and like you said, they got down by 18 and almost pulled it out, but they still didn't win, you know, and they still, the, the Blazers are not a good team, not a great team this year. And the Suns lost by 30 to them. So anything can happen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and predict the Suns win because that's the most likely outcome, but I would not be surprised with the Kings win. Uh, thank you so much. Are there any uh, parting thoughts or any, any questions or comments you have, Brendan? No, I don't think so. Um, I am uh, looking forward to the game. I, I hope we get a big a big Fox game. And it's just another, I'm sure we're going to get continued Davion Mitchell hype with this stretch of, of guards that he's gone up against. So all it'll take is one clip of him guarding Booker, CP, and in isolation for, for that trend to continue. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Zona, you got any party thoughts? Uh, no, just hopefully, you know, it's not an off night for a uh, Booker or CP, but yeah, should be a fun one. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, you can, you can find me. I'm Dave at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. Uh, Zona, tell us where we can find you. Uh, also bright side of the sun and zona hoops.com. All right. And then Brendan, where can we find you? 
uh, kingsherald.com and uh, Kings Pulse Podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for doing this preview. And good luck to both teams on Wednesday night. Let's hope for a Suns win. Before you go today, right now, please make sure you're subscribed or following and getting notifications when new episodes are released. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and a review if you have got the time. But at least that rating, that would really help me rebuild. Thank you. Talk to you next time.